Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Welcome to the Asia Tech Podcast. I am Gustavo Liu, and this is Pitch Tech Asia. Today, I'm actually joined by um, Jun Ting. He's the founder and CEO of AI Amazing. And funny story, um, I met Jun when I was in Taiwan um, last year. I think it was earlier last yeah. year, right? So welcome yep. to the show, Jun. Thanks, my pleasure. It was one of the Microsoft events. And I remember like sitting there, it was a panel of a couple of like, it was a fintech panel. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Was it, I, I have a recollection of some, something related to blockchain. Um, mm -hmm. They gave a, a bit of a talk on blockchain, but then eventually they kind of went on and started talking more about like the applications of fintech and how fintech is changing the world. Yes, yes. It was sort of like that, right? Yep. Um, and then after that, we sort of exchanged business cards. I went back to the US. Yeah. <laughs> we kind yeah. of lost touch for a while. Yeah, then like quite surprised, like last yeah. month, right? Then you message me like, say, hey, I'm in Singapore. Then I met Felix. Uh, the from FinLab. From FinLab, yes. yeah. Because I was, I, I, um, I was used to work for UOB mm. and private bank side. And essentially, uh, you know, UOB has a very close collaboration with, um, I, I think it's SG innovate or one of the entities yep. um, and they together they formed uh, FinLab a yes. couple of years back and do you want to give us a bit of a background what FinLab is about and here shout out for to Felix we're making a bit of uh, publicity for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> you were incubated on the FinLab right yeah so we are the batch 2 uh, program we are graduated from the batch 2 program so mm -hmm. I think FinLab uh, is a JV company with the between the UOB and the SG Innovate oh okay yeah. so I was right yeah mm -hmm. yep so we are quite lucky that uh, we, we have a chance and then we graduated from the batch too. I think they are they just uh close. Oh no, close. They just finished their batch three uh program. Yep. You've been in a lot of like a few couple of like events, competition and programs and you won a couple of awards, right? Because you were in Chan yep. Channel News Asia and then before that you were in another some something in Taiwan as well. Yeah, so I think uh through the journey we joined we also joining the app box in Taiwan. Okay. Yeah, so we are the batch 14, uh, the AppWorks uh, program. Yeah. yeah. So after that, uh, we also won some award in Taiwan. Uh, I think the best, the largest award that we won is a uh, MS FinTech Award. Okay. Uh, 2016. Yeah. 2016, okay. Yep. So let's take a couple step back. Let's talk about you. So how, yep. how did you start? Because I remember you talking about, and you were speaking very fluent Chinese. Yes. So... <laughs> But I would like to actually understand like how was it that you started the company and, and uh, what is your background with Taiwan? Uh so okay. I just uh move move uh more uh, early like uh this is my third startup. So oh, wow. okay. yeah, I started my first startup when I was high school. Uh, I'm Malaysian. Yeah. So back then, uh, Facebook is not very famous in Malaysia yet. Mm -hmm. So I created a forum. So the, the purpose of this is like, I want all my friends to have a way to have a chat. Yeah. Why was it, was there not enough space like stuff for you to use for chatting? So last time is normally people using Friendster to chat, but mm. Friendster is more P2P. Yeah. So if you want to have a like topic kind of things, it's very hard to find a place to have a chat, mm. especially in Chinese. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I, I formed a, I found a forum though, quite lucky that after three years, uh, one of the private investors come to me and say, Hey, I want to bought over your company. Yeah. So that's why I sold my first company. Uh, then I go to Taiwan for my uni uh, university. Okay. Uh, two reasons. The first reason is uh, because at that time, uh, Taiwan e-commerce is very, very strong. Yeah. I, 
until today it's still, still today actually pretty strong, also right? very very strong right yeah. um, then the second is because I speak Chinese yeah so all my entire journey like I speak Chinese so in my family uh, my my school everything is Chinese so yeah. that's why I choose Taiwan so I start my second startup in Taiwan uh, it's a faction I want to bring the uh, faction clothes uh, from Taiwan back to Malaysia. I think okay. at that time, it's about 2012 or 2011. So, and there uh, is a lot of demand in Southeast Asia for clothing that come from, I mean, not just Taiwan, but South Korea, Japan. I think that entire sort of um, fashion trend goes hand in hand with entertainment. Um, this is exactly, right? yes. So, and it helps that we all speak Chinese. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why, that's why, yeah, that's why I started the company in Taiwan. Then I want to bring the the fashion things back to Malaysia. But I failed my second startup. Uh, then, uh, then uh, I continue to, to study my uni. So what did you learn from there? Because yeah. you see, I I don't like. I think working with a lot of startups, um, the success are interesting to hear about. Mm -hmm. But then the failures are the ones that, that we really get to learn things and and you know get a lot of things one of the reasons why my business has gone so fast over a short period of time is because we picked up on people's failure yep and understand what where where it's going wrong i think they have a uh, two main reasons uh, the first reasons i think is uh at that time i'm not very a good people a good co-founder or good boss because uh i i I'm kind of like very lucky that uh i very quick and very can say lucky la, to sold my first startup mm -hmm. at three years time period mm -hmm. time. So I think like uh, I'm a very very good uh, founder, a very very good businessman mm -hmm. because I can very easy to create a company. Then after three years, then I can sell the company. Yeah. So I think at that time I kind of like it's very hard to communicate. I think it's very hard to yeah. Was there an ego, a bit of an ego element? Yeah. I think that there's ego. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then uh, after that, so that's why I think one of the, uh, one one day then uh, my co-founder left the company. Then uh, is a is a girl. So yeah. she said, I don't care about my money. I don't care about my share. Then suddenly she just disappeared. So that's, that, I think that's a lesson thing. For me, it's like a very, very good lesson. Uh, yeah. Because how did that impact you? <laughs> what? <laughs> how did that impact you on a person? Like was it, you know, was a hit because of what you believed you were able to achieve as a founder previously? So actually the first year when, when I closed out the company, so after when, when my co-founder left the company, actually I, I tried to find a, a other few people to replace her job mm. because I believe that the company have me, then uh, everything is fine. So, but I tried to find some uh, people to replace her job. Uh, she's a designer. So it's very hard. Then uh, after about half a year, then we decided to close down the company. Okay. So I think the rest half year is very, very tough for me because all my... Uh, I believe the things like suddenly all disappear already. So that I think half a year is uh is quite tough for me. Yeah. Then uh, after that I continue my university. Then seems one day uh, one of my friends they have uh, created a company in Ch uh, Beijing. Mm -hmm. So they invited me. And I say hey uh I heard about you have a startup before. Uh, do you want to join me? Uh, go to Beijing and see what is the startup ecosystem there. So that's why uh actually uh that's why I decided. To, to, to go there and see. So I stay yeah. about one month in Beijing, Zhongguanchun. Okay. Yeah. So that's why they burned me out. Then like, oh, I want to start up again. Yeah. How was it? Because back then you were working, <laughs> were you working for the, for the, for the Beijing um, company? No, no, no. So I just go there, then we, we join the event and see a lot of people pitch on the stage. Then one, the, uh, what I think the most, most, the thing surprised me is, mm -hmm. uh, 
a guys that younger than me, then they on the stage they say I want to raise about 40 million yen. Yeah. They say, Oh my god, okay. You know, so that's why like I I learned a lot from my friend and I know about the funding is like a whole new level over there, right? Yeah. Whatever we're raising, like a million here, over there is like in the in the ten of twenty times more, far more than Yeah, because at that time, like for me, uh I saw my first startup, then uh second startup. Have but I think one million fund for me is like damn huge fund really yeah. fund already yeah but like they are like forty million so yeah. I think there is a different different uh, level of the game uh. yeah of course yeah and it's a real dog eat dog world over there <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yes I think I think the difference as well and I talk a little about uh, on the show is that the Chinese market is extremely different mm-hmm. as compared to everything else outside the world because of the nature of regulation and how everything is sort of um, kept in a capsule yep. and they are forced to collaborate with each other. I mean, where in the world would you see where Tencent collaborate with WeChat, with Alibaba, with all of these organizations? Because they have no, almost no sort of, um, it's a very different environment. It's just it's just forced in this sort of incubation, almost like an incubation system within the country-wide scope. Yes, yes. So that's why they have a Baidu, <laughs> yeah. they have a Weibo, yeah, like equivalent with the Facebook, right? And they all yeah. collaborate with each other, right? And and yep. Google isn't allowed there. So then you that part of the competition isn't like you don't have to worry about that. Yes, yes. yes. Mm. So I think yeah. So that's why uh, when 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 I stayed there, and uh, I I surprised a lot of things. Uh, they get the the place, everything, the people, the culture. Uh, gave me very very surprised then, but I decided to come back. Uh, I don't really enjoy the culture there, mm-hmm. so when I decided to go came back uh, Malaysia in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Uh, so I went to KL to see the uh, KL ecosystem. I think twenty fifteen Malaysia like KL ecosystem is is hard to compare to Singapore startup ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I choose uh Singapore at the start. Mm-hmm. So I went to Singapore. So. The I think the biggest challenge for me to start this company in Singapore actually is yeah. uh, I always thought like actually at the first like twenty fifteen is I even cannot speak a very good English okay. so I only can say about hi bye a very simple like single word in English yeah, yeah. so uh, I remember like when I go to the NUS Enterprise so yeah. I I want to get a space from there then I bring my cousin there for my translator yeah yeah, yeah because <laughs> I only can speak Chinese yeah. yeah. Amazing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's why yeah, I think that, yep. So you're actually learning English and, and that was when you started sort of, when, uh, can you tell us a little bit how, how did AI Amazing sort of started forming? Yeah, so this company actually at the start, we are doing the mobile wallet things. So yep. I saw the uh, China, they have a very good mobile wallet like Alipay. It's not very famous, it's online, also very famous in offline. So that's why uh, when I came back to Singapore, they think like, hey, that time is not... Uh, big or a good mobile wallet in Singapore. So that's why we our first product is we are doing the mobile wallet. Yeah. So after about one year, then uh, we realized that in Singapore, actually they have uh, two mobile wallet, big yeah. mobile wallet. Uh, one is uh, from the largest bank, uh, DBS, yep. and then the other is uh, from the largest telco, Sintel Dash. Yeah. So that's why uh, for us, we have two ways. The first way is uh, we need to raise more funds to sustain our business. Yeah. The other, the other way is we need to pivot our business. Okay. Yeah. So that's why we pivot our business. And then that time uh, we developed a technology, it's a sound wave technology. 
So how was it? Talk, 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 tell us a little bit about the pivot moment because it's often very hard, right? Because there's a lot of saying that, you know, you should grind and persevere and do the same thing, yeah. like the definition of insanity, right? Do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But then in a moment where the leader has to, the, the CEO has to decide, well, we have to pivot. Yep. That is when you do things you decide, okay, we have to do things different. And and that is what I call adapt, right? You yeah. you essentially able to evolve to what the market really needs. So can you talk to us a little bit how how that felt emotionally? So I think the journey also very tough for, for us, like, I think the co-founder, because uh the all the employee actually when they join you, then they believe at the vision that yeah. uh, we want to create a great mobile wallet, that we want to capture the whole Singapore market. Then, we can the world. Yeah. then one day the uh, the boss come to you and say, Hey, we, we're not doing any more mobile wallet, we need to prefer to other yeah. business. So at that time the whole team left. Only <laughs> left the co-founder. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, that is tough that, but uh I think the great thing is uh, we have a very good co-founder team. So yeah. I very like grateful. How like, many co-founders were there? We have three co-founders. Three co-founders. Yeah. Right, so yeah. me, uh Ikai and uh Jia Hao. So we have a three co-founders. So I think the great thing is we have a really, really good co-founder team. So that's why that make us like we believe to each other. Then yeah. we decided to say like maybe at the start we only three people, then we start this again. Okay. Yeah. So, I so think the the team actually left. The, your staff left. The staff left. The whole team left. Oh wow! So only left our three uh, co-founder inside the company. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. So you had to like reposition yourselves and that vision, selling again that that idea of the of the, of of what you are, you are aiming towards, right? To the yes. new people. Then actually at a, at the first like quite shame to talk to people and say hey, I prefer my business because, uh, kind of like you you means like you fail your first. Then uh, after we spoke to a lot of mentor, then they say it's very normal for a startup. So you just, if you can really decide to pivot, then pivot. You, you need to find a product market fit inside the market, right? So, you know what I think is amazing about you is the fact that you, I mean, not only did you start your first business, but you also failed on that business. And then you now, you know, started the third business and then you sort of like pivoted, right? Yep. Losing all of your your staff and then have to reonboard everything. The first litmus test that we always talk about is the the ability to onboard people on your vision and the fact that you've done it various times, right? Even though people left at some point, but you're able to onboard again. What is the size of your team at that point? The the second round uh, after the, the pivot. After the period, yeah. So until now, we have eight people. Eight people, right? Yeah, so eight. the onboarding of that people is essentially what investors want to see. They want to see that you you are able to um bring people on board with you. Yep. No investors want to invest in a single founder. They want to invest in a team. Yes, yes. So I think also if this startup, only honestly speaking, if I'm the only single solo founder, I will fill this startup mm -hmm. because it's very, very tough. Like when when inside a, a period period. So we need to have someone to believe in you. Then they will say like, okay, I believe in you and then I want to work with you. Yeah. So that's why I think the co-founder is very important at this, this amount of time. Yeah. Well, in a startup, every person, every individual is very resourceful. It's just, we have to bootstrap our way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So how did you end up in Taiwan? Oh, so uh, because we all graduated from Taiwan. So mm -hmm. three, I would be three all co-founders, we all graduated from Taiwan. So uh, when we started, we, when we pivot, so we, all our staff left, right? So yeah. then we think like, hey, maybe we should try hire the engineer in Taiwan. Yeah. So that's why we started because uh, my COO and CTO is all graduated from the computer science at NTU. Were they Malaysians? They're all Malaysian. They're Malaysians. Yeah. yeah. So 
they have some junior and senior people that can like talk to them. I think then they can more easier to onboard them, become our engineer. Mm. So that's why we are trying like, okay, maybe we should try to hire some people in Taiwan. Then we see how. So along the way, it's great. So that's why now our 100%, our tech development team is based in Taiwan. Yep. Amazing. Um, so Taiwan, for those that are not familiar with, can you talk to us a little bit about what is so, you know, what, what made you decide you want to hire the tech team? Was it cost? Was it talent? Was it skill force? What, mm. what are some of the factors that you, took, you were taking into consideration? I think for Taiwan, they have a very experienced engineer. Mm. So because they do hardware, like you, you can think like 80% of the iPhone is, uh, the, the, the hardware is from Taiwan, right? Yeah. So Foxconn also a Taiwan, uh, there is a com China company, but the main company is at Honghai. Yeah. So that's why I think they, they already educate a lot of uh, great engineers. Yeah. So when we started there, then uh, our second product is we are using the high frequency sound wave to do the payment. Yeah. So then really and that was when I heard about the so ultrasound uh, system that I thought was very different from um, some of the other payment systems. Yes. So actually at that period, like, we're trying to hire an engineer in Singapore. Then the okay, the price will be very, very different. Yeah. Uh, then the other thing is like uh, in Taiwan, very quickly and more faster to, to hire some uh, talent engineer that have this kind of... Uh, uh, this kind of like uh, knowledge to to do this lah. Yeah, yeah. Did they did they get it though? You mm. know, like when you talked about we're going to do something on ultrasound, mm -hmm. did they get it? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so they, they they I I think I I I still I still remember the the, the first first meeting that we announced this. Yeah. Then all the people look at us like. Are you are you kidding me? <laughs> Why <laughs> ultrasound? Why of all the other methods? Yeah. So actually, at a at a first, like we we are only left the three co-founders. So we are we are keep asking back our first mobile wallet user and say, uh, why, why you are not using the mobile wallet? Then a lot of feedback from them, the university student from them, like they they talk about like, hey, I'm a young people, I'm the cool people. Why I'm using a very legacy technology? Yeah. So that's why we think like maybe we should do something like tap and go like quite cool right like disruption completely yeah. different yeah so the first thing like nfc la, so we do a research on nfc then we found that actually nfc they have a big problem is apple locked the nfc so only apple pay can using apple nfc yeah then uh, android only the high-end android phone have the nfc at mm -hmm. that time yeah mm -hmm. so we think like hey maybe we can using other 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 thing to replace nfc then the user experience still tap and go can you explain to us a little bit what nfc is so NFC is a near field communication. Yeah, so they're using the radio wave to transfer the data. So you need to have a chip, NFC chip inside mm -hmm. the, the, the smartphone. Yeah. So then uh, actually at the first we're trying is using the light because every smartphone they have a fresh light. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to using the light to transfer data. But it's very, very tough. Uh the receiver is very expensive. Then we think like, wow, who will invest a very expensive uh, receiver to only receiving You're the bankrupt light? bankrupt before you even <laughs> start making revenue. Yeah. yeah so that's mm -hmm. why we think like hey, actually every smartphone they have a speaker and microphone. Yeah, then we should try on try on these. So mm -hmm. that's why we came out. So the first meeting we talk talk to all the, the other employees say, hey, now we want to do some uh, sound wave thing. Then they say, Are you kidding me? We don't have any experience to doing this. Yeah. So yeah. we just do it. Yeah. Then uh, we get a pattern from WIPO. So I think that that is also I'm very, very proud with my team that uh, we don't say no, we try and we keep improving, improving, improving. Yeah. Um, 
And, and how hard was it to communicate to your engineers to say, you know, we want to do this? So uh, I think if the co-founder, we have a vision, then I think it's more easier to talk to the employee. But if the co-founder team, uh, we don't have the, we, we don't share the same vision, I think that would be very, very tough and very, very hard. I think in Taiwan they have a very um, culturally speaking, right? I was I'm born Taiwanese, but I'm mm. not. I was never raised there, but I I do. Um, I'm very close to. I go back very frequently, and I can see how the Taiwanese do have that entrepreneurial mindset. Yep. As compared to a lot of the, I mean, generally, because of the economic situation, the political situation over there. Um, people do want to start businesses. Yeah. So I think the, yeah, I think definitely. So one of the questions that normal when we hire the employee at the Taiwan, they will ask like, what is the company vision? Yeah. Why you believe in this vision? Even the tech people? Would Even ask. the tech people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we quite surprised that they will, uh, they will ask this kind of question. Even the tech people. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Will, you will be like, uh, I brought the specs here, <laughs> but you don't want to talk about the specs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So I think in uh, normally in, uh, in Southeast Asia, we also, Maybe Taiwan, the economy will like uh, more, 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 uh, growing more faster or more uh, yeah. earlier than the Southeast Asia. I think from the technology point of view, um, yes, because of the whole sort of situation that we're in, this is back then when in the eighties, um, in the seventies, yeah. when China was not open to the to the to the public, um, essentially. Taiwan was the one doing a lot of the manufacturing and they dominated by the 90s the sort of the semiconductor industry that I see chips yeah. and all of that right but yeah. now they're I mean China's opened up and you know a lot of other stuff is being produced elsewhere yeah yeah but the I think the the talent that still have because I think along along the this journey then they already have a lot of uh, great talent and very experienced talent in absolutely yeah. and and so Amazing was essentially then ultrasound. You decided to apply ultrasound onto a wallet payment system. Yeah, is how it is, and that was when we sort of met, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> and then I met with Felix like a year later, and I heard you guys pivoted again. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, end of last year. So actually, we have a contract with the mobile wallet in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, unfortunately, end of last year, Singapore government MAS pushed mm -hmm. a standard QR code. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they saw the uh, China. They have a very good. Uh, use case at QR code so that's why they want to follow the QR code what? So, they should have used ultrasound <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, we, we are just a startup so all our all our clan come back to us and say uh, if I keep using your technology I kind of like I fight with the government Yeah. so we need to pause this project or we need to stop this project so end of last year also a very uh, difficult point for 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 the AI amazing this company yeah so quite lucky that uh, we also have a meeting with a market research company like Facebook and Google so through the meeting this meeting that we realized that actually they are all having a problem is they can't they cannot get any data offline receipt data mm -hmm. yep so that yeah, so I think that that through the through the meeting, then we realized we realized that. So then one of the shopping mall management, uh, they came to us. They say, "Hey, you do you know in Singapore now how we can collect the offline, uh, receipt data or offline user data?" Yeah. So I think a lot of shopping mall in Singapore they have a loyalty program. So yeah. now their loyalty program is uh they will have a app. Then uh you need to use 
after the customer purchase something, then they need to using the app yep. and then you open the camera and scan the receipt. Yeah. So after at the back end is they will hire a team of the people look the receipt manually. They are monkey. Yes, <laughs> exactly. They will key the receipt manually. Yeah. So one people... People, people think that it's super high. It's like banks, right? Everybody <laughs> look at the institution of the bank and think like, oh my God, it must be like so high tech in there because the moment you walk in, everything is like payment systems and everything. Yeah. But actually behind, like just a wall behind, you get all these people like looking at manually at paperwork. And that reminds me of like years of my banking years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. So that's why, yeah. Then when I heard this, uh, I, I quite like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, is it real? Yeah. So they, t- they told me like one people can only process about 200 receipts per day. Yeah. Yeah. So if the shopping mall to process about 2,000 receipts, they need to hire 10 people. Yeah. I used to have a friend that used to look at those receipts. <laughs> oh, is yeah. it? That was his old job. I was like, I couldn't think of a more interesting job in the world that I would like to do. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, quite interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's why then uh then we 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 when we go deep inside and we we realize that actually uh why is this problem at actually is a fragmented POS system. Yeah. So we realized that actually inside one shopping mall they have like 50 different brands of the POS system. So unless the shopping mall management they need to integrate to each different brand of the POS system, then they can get the data from there. Yeah. But kind of like impossible because it's very, very expensive and will take them a lot of lot of time. Yep. So I think at that time, then we think like maybe we can do something uh, to, to, to help them to solve this problem. So that's why uh, our current product, uh, we call it plug and play device. We don't need any integration, then we can get the receipt data from the POS system. Mm-hmm. And um, so just like how your slide was showing, this is the the problem standard that you essentially got and the solution that you essentially came up with, um, it's... You're going on price, quality, and essentially you're competing on on these areas, right? Because it's cheaper, faster, and easier. Yeah. So actually, at the first, uh, we are only helping the shopping mall management, market research company to call have the more cheaper, faster, and easier ways to collect offline transaction data. Yeah. Then when after that, when we go to install the device, then we will spoke to the uh, individual FMB or retailer business owner. Then we realize that actually they have the data, but all their data is stuck inside their POS system. Yeah. Now we have the way to get the data out from there. Then they want us to help them to provide the business dashboard, the business in, uh, analytics. Yeah. So that's why we add on like, oh, no, we are not only collecting the data, we also analyze the data. And data is everything now because uh, with cloud computing and all of that, people want more data and they want to use it for like aggregating and do more targeting advertisement, more targeting. Yes, exactly, yes. Um, could you talk to you a little bit? So this is essentially how, how it works, right? Yep. Um, is there AI in it? Yep. So actually, we at the first, we developed this plug-and-play device. Yep. So the plug-and-play device will sit between, will connect between the POS and the printer. Yep. So the receipt printer will uh, go through our device first and then we will pass it to the receipt printer to yep. print out. So we collect the raw receipt data. Yep. Then after that, we realize one thing. It's very hard for us to clean the data. Yeah. Because at online they already have a very standard data structure. But offline is totally different. Different brand POS system, they have a different format of the receipt. And then different uh merchant, re- different retailer, they have a diff- different structure of their SKU item names. Yeah. So that's why our first AI engine to come in. Then we we think like if we don't have this engine, will be very, very headed for us. Because when we onboard one merchant, then we need to send an engineer to Key in the rules of the receipt. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we 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 trying to hire some uh, AI engineer to help us to solve this problem. Right. Yeah. And that is on the software side. So I'm seeing this next slide, which is actually a hardware yep. device, and um, it has to go hand in hand together, right? Yep. So you can think like previously POS, they have a cable plugged into the printer directly. So we will go there, then we will plug the cable out, plug the this cable into our device first, yep. and then our device will have another cable to the printer. So with the new sort of design, the new technology solution, um, both from the hardware and software integrated um, uh, strategy, how is it now received by customers? So, okay. So then after we capture this kind of all the receipt data, then we'll pass to the cloud. Yeah. Then our cloud will clean up the data. Then we will pass this data to our client, which is the shopping mall management yeah. or which is the, the, the market research company. Yeah. Yeah. Then we also have another module is uh we will give back a business dashboard back to the uh, retailer. And API is like pretty much what everybody. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very simple. Yeah. Um. So you're not just a SaaS platform. You're essentially a hardware and combined together with. Yeah. Software. So we're thinking like we are the like kind of like Apple module. Yeah. So we are selling the hardware. Yeah. Then after that we have a different module inside the hardware. So you can purchase like let's say the. Uh, the the retailer they can purchase uh I want only this module like business dashboard they can only purchase the Lodi program module they mm -hmm. also can pur purchase a video analytics module awesome yep. I'm just looking at your de um data analytics is um yeah it's a lot more comprehensive so um right now you are sort of doing a strategic race you're looking for some <laughs> investors yep it has to be strategic right because you yep. finished your race your previous C round and all of that is already yeah so ended. we just finished uh, I think just uh, last month yep. so I think uh, for a startup I can say we we are all all of the time we are raising. So we want to- as a, as a CEO, you're always raising, you're always <laughs> hiring. Yeah. yeah, also raising, also uh, always hiring. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we are looking for the strategy investor. So I think for us, uh, AM Amazing, this company, we believe in the money is not the most important for us. Yeah. Uh, it's important, but not the most important. Well, it's the color of money, right? Yeah. So what is the value behind the money? Like, how, how what is the value that uh, the, the investor can bring to us? Because uh, if- we can work very closely. We have a strategy partner be, with the VC or with the uh, investor. Then we can grow our business more faster Then also bring back value, uh, benefit to the investor. Right? So what would be value? So what is now, the type of value that you're looking at? So now uh, we are in the offline retail space. So yeah. we are looking at the investor that have a connection or they have the experience inside the offline retail space. Mm -hmm. And we also looking, uh, we want to go outside to Singapore. So last round fund, we are targeting the Thailand, Indonesia, and Malaysia, these three markets. Okay. Yeah. So we are looking to investors who have, who have this uh, connection or they have uh, this. That open those up. markets for you. Yes. Okay. Well, obviously, Thailand is probably one of the hardest uh, markets to break into as a foreigner, especially, I mean, not just language barriers, but also the sort of, there's a, there's a huge spending power. But yep. culturally, they're entirely different. And, and language-wise, it's like Thai is not is completely different from any of the Asian languages. Yeah, so I think for the last year, we spent a lot of uh, time in Indonesia. So we learned a lot from there. Yeah. So either like we need to go ourselves or we need to find some partner. Then uh, after about one year, then we learned about we should find some partner to go together. It's very, very hard for a foreign company. I think especially in like Thailand, Vietnam, uh, this kind of country, uh, if we as a foreigner, we want to go indirectly, I think 
will be a lot of challenge for us. Indonesia would have been a very good sort of testing ground for a foreign expansion territory, especially if you come from Singapore, right? Because mm. of the proximity, um, geographically, which is closer. But the, uh, other than that, we are also quite familiar with how in Indonesian sort of regulatory framework looks like. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how much preparation did you have to do before going into deciding that you were Indonesia was going to be the first country? So I think uh, you, you means the for our next step. Yeah, for your next step. So on. the the first country we'll go in is uh, the Malaysia because I am, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm Malaysian, so I'm quite familiar with the space. So I think the Q1 next year will be in Malaysia. Okay. So hopefully Thailand. So okay. now the Thailand, uh, the for ours the bigger challenge is the language because we are collecting the offline trans uh, receipt data. Oh, yeah. So all their receipt is in Thai. Yeah. Yeah. So now our AI engine, our engineer is developed like how they can recognize the uh, Thai language. Yeah. I think some of the toughest challenges if you're able to solve for that, you know, the the opportunity is also huge because it's also high barrier to entry. It doesn't mean that anybody who wants to go in can just simply go in and compete with you. Yeah, so I think uh, find the right partner is very important because we also know that if we go inside ourselves, the success rate is not high. Yeah. So I think finding the right partner, then we go together, then we go faster. So that, that would be the, 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 the faster way for us. Does it sound like you are going to be competing in another competition in Thailand? So actually, we are the we don't see any competition. Uh, competition yet. I mean, like uh, in oh. events, competition for like some sort of accelerator, incubators, oh. and that. Yeah, uh, we are more looking at uh, mm, really partnership. Like we are partner right. with the China partner, like telco or the bank. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I I, I saw like in Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, the government push a lot of like SME go digital. Oh yeah. So they have a lot of grant, they have a lot of like, different uh, activity to encourage all the SME go digital, right? So uh, for us, we are the we are the bad, faster way to help the SME go digital because we unlock their data. And so, I love this point because I w can we talk a little bit about adoption? Because mm -hmm. getting SMEs, right? I mean, we're talking about like startups mm -hmm. and new latest startups to sort of adopt new technology is not. I mean, from my experience, ignorant experience is that it is um, a lot easier because they're coming in from nothing and they're just starting, they're starting up, they're looking at their options. But if you're working with an SME that has been around for 15 years, 20 years and trying to get them to adopt technology, mm. how has that experience been? So I think for us, we have an advantage is because we don't change their existing cashier uh, experience. We don't change their existing everything. So the first, normally when we spoke to the SME, say, I can provide you a better business dashboard. I can help you to monitoring your business in real time. Yeah. Then they will ask, like, I, I need to change anything. Do they ask yeah. you, like, what is data? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I think in uh, in, in Singapore, uh, the, the SME know the data. Yeah. Then, But the thing, like, they, they will ask, like, I, I need to change anything because yeah. I'm not willing to invest another POS system. Yeah. If I invest in another POS system, then I need to train my... my Adoption is so hard. It's so yeah. hard, so yeah. hard. So that's why we, we, we learn from that. And uh, for now, it's... Uh, no, 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 you don't need to change anything. Your, your cashier is still doing the same thing at the previous. So... On top of that, we give you the dashboard. So you sp sort of like spoon feed them with what is necessary. Yep. Okay. So, and you found them to be a more open-minded and, and sort of a, a, um, able to implement 
your systems into yeah. their systems. So at the first, normally we will go there and say, uh, I just help you to get a real-time re- revenue. I can let you know like, what is the revenue in real-time and what is your transaction today, what is the top-selling item today. So they were more easier to adopt these. Uh, if we go inside and say, I, I can offer you the cross-selling, I can offer you the best bundle or a lot of things, then they will say like, what is the data? Then what, what, is the, what is this? So normally when we step in and say, I, I can offer you, I have a platform to help you to monitoring your business in real time. So I can give you the real time revenue. Then they will say, okay, okay, can, uh, without any changing to my existing system or my employee no need to learn new things. So for me, I just have a website lock in. Then after that, then we will train them like, oh, actually through the platform, you can learn, uh, know like what is the best bundle, you can do the cross-selling things. Yeah, what is the peak hour? So they will, this, I think it's a journey for them also. Well, it's a journey for you as well, right? Because yeah. you have to like learn to speak a whole different language that you have to speak <laughs> before. And in language, I mean that you need to identify their pains, right? It's yeah. not just about like what the technology, was that good enough to solve you know, POS, POS sort of data management systems. Are you speaking the language? Do you know what, what their pain is? And are you addressing exactly what they, they're thinking? And people think that, well, the pain is getting more sales. Actually, no. The pain is across the board implementation, adoption. Yeah. There's various levels of pains. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you, you, you point a very good point. Like, a point a very good point is, uh, uh, when at the first pitching to the SME client say, hey, this is a very cool technology. Yeah. Like, previously, we spoke to the investor like in startup ecosystem, was, but this is a very cool technology. This technology can help you to generate this kind of data. Yeah. You, you see like this curve, everything, but they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> they really care <laughs> because they don't understand like what is this. Yeah. So I think, yeah, after, after I think uh, we met a few, then we adjust our pitch, then we, we really speak the, the, the language, their language. Yeah, yeah so... Revenue because the the business owner always care about their revenue. Yeah. So we step on like we can give you the real time revenue. So, no, uh, a lot of business owner they are not inside the shop and they might not necessarily get it immediately. Mm. Right. With well, the moment they see your products, they kind of get it. They know it has quite a few cool features. They know that it's the in thing, but they they wouldn't know how would that translate to revenue for them. Mm, yep. So. Normally, uh, the, the first step that we realize that actually we will go inside to the, the business owner because uh, a lot of business owners, they are not inside the shop. Yeah. So how it works is today, end of the day or end of the week, the shop manager, they will using the POS to generate a report. Then using pen drive to go to another computer to send an email to the boss. Yeah. So the boss will look the the revenue, this number only, that's all. Then uh, we, we realized that when we, when we spoke to them, then they care about the, the revenue. Yeah. So they want to know like if I if I have platform when I lock in I know like today what is my revenue today? Wait, who who is this that cares? Business owner. The business owners. Yeah. The sales department cares about it because their 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 the revenue is actually tied into their incentive. Yep. So uh, yeah, I think yeah the the, the right. if the retail change then the the sales department they will definitely uh right. see, see this yeah so for the individual FMB or individual retailer then the business owner will really care then they yeah. even don't have the sales department and have a because marketing. they are the sales department <laughs> 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 they are the sales they are the the one that unclogs the toilet they are the ones that do the cashier yes that's yeah. great yeah, so so that's why we will step in and say I can help you to know your real time revenue so when you log in then you can see the real time revenue yeah. no need to wait about end of the week. And if cannot balance, then uh, how? So I think that that is the, the the things like when we step into the market. Then after that, we educate them like actually using this data, you can generate more revenue and how. 
So our platform we will have a this kind of chart. Then they were like, oh, okay, okay, because they already know that. Yeah, I would say it also creates transparency across the organization. I mean, on a one person organization, that probably wouldn't matter, right? But if you're looking at anything beyond ten people, yep. you do want to have a unified system that everybody is able to access and be extremely transparent, especially when we're talking about uh, cross-departmental um, incentives. Yep. The, de- the marketing um, department, for instance, would be the ones that would be expanding and, and uh, spending a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. The sales department would be the one bringing in sort of uh, revenue into the company. So then how do you align everybody's interest? I think transparency and good communication is essentially what would be able to sort of create that trust. And mm-hmm. I think a system that makes it easier for everybody yep. to be able to record all of that data and see it on a sort of um, on a digital platform, it just makes it a lot easier for building trust within the organization. So I actually don't just see your platform from a revenue point of view. I I see it from a communication point of view. It allows a lot more transparency. Yes. Yes. Um, and right now you're also hiring. Yep. So always hiring. Uh, we always looking for the talent. So yeah. our co-founder at least once. Uh, once a week, and then we will have a meeting that say how we can find a good people to join us. Yeah. So now we are looking more like in Singapore, uh, the business and the operation will be in Singapore. So in Singapore, we are looking for the BD, uh, business development people. Uh-huh. And we also doing the marketing people. So we're looking these two kind of people. Is that is mainly for Singapore? In, in They were based in Singapore, okay. but we were still uh, regionary. Uh, is there any other skills that they need to like... For example, like, do they have to be multilingual or do they, you know, is there is there any sort of requirement, especially with your plans to go into like Thailand um, and other other markets? If have is a is a is a at is a at uh, at point, but if don't have, I think uh, it's still okay. Uh, how, what what is the the talent that we're looking at? Actually, is uh, they have an experience in e-commerce or they have an experience in uh retail space. So why e-commerce is actually e-commerce? They collect a lot of data, mm-hmm. so they're using this data to do a. A-B test, but yeah. uh, just not mentioned about the offline retailer. Offline retailer, they have a data, but all their data is stuck inside the POS. Right? Yeah. So now we unlock the data. So we wanted using the the e-commerce way, something like help them to analyze that data yeah. and uh, then we really help back to them, then they can grow their business. Well, you talked about A-B test, which is extremely important, right? Market validation. Yep. Even though you've deployed a product as a as a business owner, it doesn't mean that just because you've gotten some traction on growth in the early early sort of couple of weeks or months, it means that your product is going to be in demand and it's going to be sustainable in the long run. And I think understanding, having better visibility Yep. on what the customer wants um, on the long run and whether they keep coming back for it. It's it's just, it's there's no way of finding out except for having, you know, more data. <laughs> yes, yes. So one of the, like, uh, very interesting uh, example is that we have a client in the supermarket. So through about three months, then we give them, a, uh, we give, we, 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 through the journey, lah, then we let them know how to use our platform. Then they found that actually when the customer buy the eggs, yeah, the thirty piece of the egg, then the higher chance they will buy the Meiji milk. <laughs> then okay. don't know why. Like they ask like why? Then? How is that correlation? Is it because Meiji milk make it more fluffy <laughs> when you're trying to make a scramble egg or something? We also don't know because yeah. the data show these for us. Like yeah. we're, we're still like the the boss like they, they feel like oh okay is it. I'm I running this shop about like 15 years or 10 years then I don't know this but through this then they bundle this 
two product together, then they, at the peak hour, then they do a promotion. Then we really help them to <laughs> increase their sales. Oh, uh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I think there's a lot of correlation between different products that you wouldn't think they would go together. Yep. And they somehow kind of go together. Like you, you would assume that bread and peanut butter would go together and, and during like a good sales cycle for, for bread, peanut butter should also sell well, right? Yep, yep. And then data sh- collected... I don't know. I don't know the actual figure, but like it completely threw, throws you off. I was like, no, bread and bacon sells better or something like that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Amazing. I think there's the power of the data. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're looking to raise strategic partnership um, and funding um, and you're looking for customers um, yep. both locally and overseas. Obviously, that's why you are hiring for BD and marketing. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want our listeners to know that you're looking for? I think that that's, that's all. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that as a CEO, you're already uh, managing eight people. Yep. Um, and you're, right now you're based off Block Seventy One. Yep, fantastic. So I have um, this has been an amazing chat, and I'll, you know we still have to go out and grab a beer one of these days. <laughs> sure, no problem. I wanted to um, j- before our ending of this recording, I wanted to just ask you one more question. If our listeners um, want to reach out to you, mm. um, how would they um, be able to get hold of you? So I think you can just drop me an email. Yeah. Uh, Jun at A-I-A-I-M-A-Z-I-N-G our company name yeah. dot C-O. Yep. Great. Fantastic. Thank you for coming on to uh, Pitch Tech Asia. Thank you. And um, this is Gustavo Liu, and I will be coming back again shortly. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.